Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. should have received your sermon notes, uh, so if you have not received those, uh, hold your hand up and our guys, I think I saw them passing those out a little earlier. Today I want to speak on the subject and I just really want to try to encourage you uh, a little bit today. That's really what this is going to be. Uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture is in Hebrews chapter number 11 and what I love about Hebrews chapter number 11, it's just a bunch of ordinary people. That by their faith in God, God used them to do some extraordinary things in their life. So today, really, I'm just going to be speaking on how to live an extraordinary life. How to live that life, how to have that life. Hebrews chapter 11, it's the great hall of fame, the roll call of faith. It's God's hall of fame. You know, the major uh, baseball or, or uh, football or NASCAR, they weren't the first ones to come up with a Hall of Fame. God was the very first one to come up with a Hall of Fame. And we find that in Hebrews chapter number 11. So I want you to turn and take your phones out, your electronic devices, uh, whatever you have in front of you, your Bible. Take those out. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm going to be drilling down on verses 23 and following. But just as a way of introduction, I want you to look in Hebrews 11. And, and Charlie, just leave the text right there. Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors, I like this phrase, our ancestors won God's approval by it. What is the it? The it is the faith that they had. And then he goes down through here and he gives um, a list of all of these that exercise their faith. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Verse 5, by faith Enoch um, was taken away and he did not experience death. Verse, verse 7, by faith Noah, after he was warned um, about what was not yet seen, motivated by godly fear, built an ark. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went to the place that God was calling by faith, in verse number 11, Sarah herself, when she was unable to have, a, have children, received power to conceive. I want you to look at verse number 13. This is, a, this is a key verse in this text. Verse number 13, Hebrews 11. It says, These all died in faith without having received the promises. But get this. But they saw them from a distance. They greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. I love that 
passage. I love that verse of Scripture. And it says, by faith they died without even seeing the fulfillment of all the promises. But they had faith that God was going to fulfill them, that they were going to receive that promise. But they understood one thing. They understood that they were foreigners and they were temporary residents. And that actually is in verse 13. They were foreigners and temporary residents here in this earth, on this life. That's something, guys, we got to understand. Some of us are, uh, are so earthly minded that we are of no heavenly use whatsoever. Let that sink in. Some of us are so earthly minded that we are of no heavenly use at all, right? We've got to have a paradigm shift in the way that we think. We're just pilgrims. We're just foreigners. We're just passing through this life. And we put so much into these 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever it is, that we may live here on this earth. But here's what I want to get a picture of in your mind. Those 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we live here on this earth. I want you to understand, think about the seashore, if you will. What's your favorite place to go to the beach? Whenever you go to the beach, what's your favorite place? Shout it out. Who? Venice Beach. Now, that's not Venice, Illinois, right? That's not what you're talking about, right? Venice Beach. That, I was not expecting that to be shouted out. I have no idea where Venice Beach is. I'm not very well cultured, you're going to see, right? Where's Venice Beach? Florida. What's it close to? On the Gulf side? Okay. Close to Destin? No? On down a little further? Okay. Venice Beach, all right? How many knew about Venice Beach? Some of you, see, I told you, I'm not, I'm not as cultured as you. You see, I'm just, a, I'm just a North Carolina boy, and whenever we went to the beach, we went to, you may have heard of this place called Myrtle Beach. You ever heard of Myrtle Beach? That's where I grew up, right there. That was our beach. That's where we went on our honeymoon, and at 2 a.m. in the morning, we're sitting at Krispy Kreme, eating our donuts. So Krispy Kreme has a special place in my heart because it reminds me of my beautiful bride and when we got married back in 1984. Does that sound good? See how I spun that so we can get Krispy Kreme donuts and it's a good thing? Okay. What's your favorite beach? Shout it out. Hawaii. Who? Hawaii? You guys lived there for a while, didn't you, Elna? What's your, what's your favorite beach? Nobody's going to say Carlisle Lake Beach? <laughs> no. Here's what I want you to visualize. I want you to think about the beach. Think about the seashore. Visualize that. We love the beach, and what I love is the sand on the beach and how beautiful and soft it is and the waves that are crashing in. It's just a wonderful place. But I want you to picture that seashore. I want you to picture all of that sand. I want you to reach down and get a little handful of sand and put it in your hand. Open up your fingers. Let all the sand fall out. I want you to get a hold of just one little grain of sand from the seashore of your favorite beach. Now, I want you to hold that visually in your mind, that little grain of sand from your favorite beach. You've let it all fall through your fingers, and now you're holding that one little grain of sand. You know what that one little grain of sand is? That one little grain of sand is your life compared to all eternity. Now, think about that. Hold that one little grain of sand and look at all of that mass sand around you. I want you to think about, put it in perspective, that one little grain of sand is that 70, 80, 90, 
100 years that you may live here on this life compared to all eternity. Would you say that's a small amount of time? Now, that's the paradigm shift that we must have in our mind. That's what these ordinary people that did extra, extraordinary things, that accomplished these extraordinary things in their life, that's the paradigm shift, that's the mindset that they had. And it says in verse 13, they all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance. And they greeted them, and they confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on this earth. If we're going to do extraordinary things for the Lord, if we're going to allow our life to be used by God and do some extraordinary things, there's a paradigm shift that must take place. We've got to realize that we're only on this earth for a very short time period of time compared to all eternity but we get so engrossed in this very short period of time that we lose sight of the goal and we struggle to do these things by faith and live this extraordinary life that god wants us to live does that make sense get it okay so let's come back from the beach you're back now in O'Fallon, Illinois. You're in the middle of the cornfields. Humidity is like at 85, 90%. The heat is getting up there. There's no beach whatsoever. There's just dry corn, okay? But you're in a nice air-conditioned building. So let's drill a little further in Hebrews chapter 11, and let's see an individual that God was able to use to do some extraordinary things. I want us to begin reading in verse number 20. I don't know. Let's start in verse 23. Verse 23, Hebrews chapter number 11. And here's what I want you to see. It says, By faith, after Moses was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months. Because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they didn't fear the king's edict. And by faith, Moses, when he had, what's the next word? Grown up, okay? This baby now has grown to be a young man. And it says, now by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin or just a worldly lifestyle. Now, how long is that lifestyle? Scripture says it's short-lived. There's the one grain of sand that I had you hold in your fingers earlier. That's the paradigm shift that took place in Moses' life or in his mind. For us to do extraordinary things, we must have that same paradigm shift take place in our mind. And we must realize that our life here, even if we live to be a hundred and whatever years old, it's still just a grain of sand compared to eternity. We must be thinking that way, okay? Moses thought that way, which is why he did extraordinary things, okay? So... He wanted to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For, verse 26, for he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Since his attention was on the what? Reward, okay? His attention was on the reward. We're going to unpack that. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt behind 
not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. Now, I got a question for you. Why is it that God was able to use Moses so effectively? He's just an ordinary guy. And yes, he was a beautiful baby. But I've never seen a mother in my life that didn't think she didn't have a beautiful baby. Hello? I've seen some babies. What are y'all talking about? Why are you laughing? I've seen some babies and they're all beautiful. (laughs) Right? All babies are beautiful in their mother's eyes. But God used Moses not simply because his mother thought he was a beautiful baby. There was something that took place in Moses' life, in his mind, in his heart, in his life that caused God to use him in an extraordinary way. Now, I don't know if I have these in your sermon notes or not. No, I do not. I want you to look at this. There were some questions that Moses had settled in his life in order that he could live this extraordinary life. I think Moses settled some of these basic questions in his life. Now, if we are going to live an extraordinary life, extraordinary or extraordinary, if we're going to live that life by faith, we've got to have a paradigm shift. We've got to realize that this life here is temporal, right? It's, it's a temporary time that we're here, a short season. We're just foreigners. We're just strangers. We're just passing through. Life is a grain of sand on the seashore. We've got to have that paradigm shift. But then also, we've got to answer these basic questions in our life. And we've got to have these things settled. And we've got to drive a stake in the ground. And we must know who we are, right? Moses had these basic questions settled in his heart and in his life. Who am I? Moses knew who he was. I'm going to unpack that for you. That's the four points. The the four points I'm going to give you on your sermon notes answer these four questions. Moses knew who he was. And we must ask ourselves the question, who am I? If I'm going to live this extraordinary life and do these extraordinary things for the Lord, and I'm going to have him use me to do that by faith, I've got to have this settled. I've got to know who I am. You've got to know who you are. Question number two, which is very basic. What are my choices? We make choices every single day. Right? How many of you made choices this morning? <laughs> we made a bunch of them. How many? Let me ask you this. How many, how many are wearing right now the very first thing you pulled out of your closet? Not my family. <laughs> See, I was all dressed up today. I had on nice dress pants and dress shoes and everything. And I got it all on and, except for my shirt. And I stood up. I told you, I don't feel like wearing this today. She said, what are you going to wear? I said, I want to wear my black tennis shoes. Really? That's what I feel like wearing today. So I took off my nice dress outfit, 
And I put on, first thing I left were my black tennis shoes. What goes good with black tennis shoes now? Blue jeans, right? So my point is, we make choices every single day. So we got to know who we are. We got to know what our choices are. And then, as a result of that, what the consequences of those decisions and choices will be. We got to weigh that out. Another question that is basic that Moses answered, it's in the text. Another question he answered is what's really important? What is the most important thing? What's really important, important in my life? We got to answer that. Moses answers that in the text. I've already given you the answer to all these in the text. And I'm going to show it to you. But then the last thing is what are my goals? What are my goals in life? And remember, they can't be short-lived, temporal, worldly goals. Although it's okay to have some of those to help you get where you need to go. But you've got to lift your eyes and have bigger aspirations than that. Realizing that th- this life is that grain. Go back to that grain of sand. Okay, I'm going to keep bringing you back to that. That's why I spent time unpacking that. Right? This grain of sand that we live. So, I want to talk to you about how to live this extraordinary life. And... By the way, when I look at my watch today, it means absolutely nothing. It has messed up, and it's telling me right now that it's five minutes till 12, which is wrong. What time is it? 11.18, okay? So when I do this, don't think, oh, he knows what time it is because I really don't. (laughs) This thing's all messed up. So take out your sermon notes. I want you to get this, and we're going to look at answer number one here in your sermon notes in Hebrews 11. The first thing I want you to get... For us to answer the question, who am I? I want you to know that you must be yourself. If you're going to do extraordinary things, if you're going to be an extraordinary person doing amazing things for the Lord, then we all must settle the question on who we are. And the first thing we must do in our life is be what? Yourself. God created you to be you. He doesn't want you to be someone else. He wants you to be you. He has an amazing plan for your life. He has an amazing purpose for your life. He's created us all completely different, which we must understand is okay, right? Right? We're all not made out of a cookie cutter. So God wants us to be ourselves. So we've got to stop trying to be someone else. Now, very early in Moses' life, he had an identity crisis. Okay? You ever had one of those? A lot of folks struggle with that. Right? With identity crisis. Moses had to understand and know and answer this most basic question in his life about who he was or is. He had this identity crisis. You see... He was either going to be Jewish or he was going to be Egyptian. He was born Jew, raised in an Egyptian home. So he had this identity crisis. Which heritage am I going to lean into and live out for the rest of my life? Now, he had to weigh some things out. Here's where some of the choices come into play. Okay, what would be the effect on his life if he remained an Egyptian? Well... One of the things, he would live a life of ease if he was an an Egyptian. He's being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Remember the story? Moses' mother thought he was beautiful. Every mother thinks their baby is beautiful. Put him in a little basket in the Nile River and sent him down because there was an edict 
There was no fear for the king because there was a command from the king that all the baby Jew boys be killed, right? Well, this mother didn't want to do that to her child, so she put baby Moses, the beautiful baby, in the basket, sent him down the Nile, knew that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing there, hoping that she would see this baby and take him in and raise him, raise her as his own or her own. And that's exactly what happened, right? So here we have Moses raised in the household of Pharaoh, very surrounded by tremendous wealth. And so Moses could have lived out this Egyptian life. He would have had a life of ease. He would have had an outstanding career. Would you agree? I mean, he's next in line to be the next Pharaoh. Look at all that he had in front of him if he would have lived this out life of being an Egyptian. He would have been the next Pharaoh. He would have had a life of fame and he would have had a life of of fortune if he would have been an Egyptian. Or he could make the decision and the choice, I'm going to live out my Jewish heritage. I'm going to identify myself as a Jew. Now, if he would have done that, he would have been humiliated. He would have been kicked out of the palace and he would have to live with the slaves because the Jewish people at that time were slaves in Egypt. That's where he would be. He would not have the wealth and the prosperity or the amazing career. He would have lost all of that if he would have chosen to be a Jew. But here's what Moses realized. He realized that living out God's will and God's plan for his life was more important than the temporal things that he would have in this life. Look at verse number 24. Verse number 24 in Hebrews 11 says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, what's the the next word? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, when did he make this decision? Later on, when he had grown up, he came to a place where he had to answer the question, who am I? Right? Who am I? He knew that he was a Jewish boy living in an Egyptian culture and home. So he had an identity crisis. And he, so he said, you know what? I am going to refuse. You need to underline that word, circle that word in your sermon notes. There's nowhere to do that. So write it down in your sermon notes. Write that word down, refuse. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That word refused means that he rejected it, that he denied it, that he totally disowned it. Listen, you know what he did? He said, I am going to be myself. And if we're going to be used by God to do extraordinary things in life, then we've just got to be ourselves and realize that God has called us to be the person that we are. I don't know about you, but it's, it's liberating to finally get to the point in your life when you can just be you, right? We have the pressure of peer pressure and culture and maybe even family pushing us to be something maybe that we're not. Just be yourself because God you're not here by mistake okay I don't care how you were conceived you're not an accident you're not here by mistake God has a plan for your life so what I want you to do is simply be yourself so therefore in verse number 24 by faith Moses when he grown up he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose something what did he choose He chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. 
So number one, you've got to be yourself. Now I've got to move on pretty quick here. Number two is this one. You must accept responsibility for your own life. If you're going to live this extraordinary life, then you've got to quit playing the blame game. You've got to quit pointing fingers at everybody else and saying it's everybody else's fault that I am in the shape that I'm in today. No, the choices you made yesterday is a direct result of what's going on in your life today, right? And it's no one else's fault but your own. So Moses had to take responsibility for the decisions and the choices and the things that he had done in his own life. So we all have these choices we've got to make. We've got to make those every single day. And I want you to realize you can't go through life saying, it's not my fault. Have you ever seen those people that never take responsibility for anything in their life? It's not my fault. It's not my fault. You guys ever seen that? Right? We all, we've experienced that with folks, right? And I hope that's none of you. We must take responsibility. We have options of making decisions and choices every single day. God has given us the freedom to make the choices. And what I choose today, I want you to understand, will determine my tomorrow. So choices I'm making today will have a direct impact on what's going to happen tomorrow in my life. So if you look in verse number 24 and verse 25, he made this choice. He chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. And then we see that in verse 25. And then he considered some things, the reproach of the Messiah to be greater than the treasure of Egypt. So I want you to notice, first of all, when he made this decision. I've already pointed this out. When did he make it? When he grew up, okay, there's something about growing up, right? When all you have this identity crisis, who am I? Moses was dealing with that at this point in his life. And one of the marks of maturity in life is simply to accept responsibility for your own decisions. Society loves for us to pass the buck, right? We love to blame everybody else for whatever is going on in our life that's not good. We never take responsibility of it for ourselves. We blame everybody else, whoever it is. Oh, it's my family's fault. Or it's the boss man's fault. Or what's popular today, President Trump's fault. Right? We blame everybody for whatever. we got to stop doing that. If we're going to live an extraordinary life, we must handle this identity crisis and we must know who we are and then we must take responsibility for our own life. If there's things going on in my life right now that I don't like, it's not somebody else's fault. It's my fault. Therefore, I better get up and do something about it. Are you with me? I don't have a lot of sympathy for this My wife gets nervous when I get to this point in my preaching. I just don't have a lot of sympathy for whiners and just, oh, woe is me. And they just sit there under the juniper bush. And that's a biblical phrase, by the way. And they sit there and moan and groan and complain and carry on. Listen, I'll help you a little bit. I'll listen to you. And I'll have a little bit of sympathy to listen for a little while. And I'll give you some counsel on what you got to do. But if you're going to sit there and moan and groan and cry and complain and bellyache and point fingers at everybody else, I'm going to say, you know what? I told you what you got to do. You got to get up and do it. Well, God don't love me. It has nothing to do with God loving you or not. 
Are you with me? God loves you, and he proved that love when he sent his son on the cross to die for you. But listen, you got to get up, right? And you got to make some decisions and make some choices in your life. And the thing you got to do is simply just accept responsibility for your own life and quit pointing fingers at everybody else saying it's their fault that I'm here. No, it's not. I realize, listen, you know, the world today, especially our society, our culture today thinks, boy, if we could just build a perfect environment and put everyone in this perfect environment, then life would just be amazing for everybody. Well, you know what that's called? There's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. Hello? Don't you think Adam and Eve lived in a perfect environment? Sure they did. So just throwing money at something and getting everybody in a perfect environment or making everything free for everybody so nobody has to work for it, then life would be good. That is hogwash. Hello? Say amen or oh me. We got to get back to question number one, where we've got to be ourselves, and then we've got to quickly get to question number two. Once we've identified who we are, we then must take responsibility for our own life. I could get on a major tangent right here, and I got to be careful. You know what? No one determines if I'm going to be happy today or not. You know who determines that? Me. No one's going to determine if I'm going to be moody, fatigued, and depressed. And, and I realize there's some medical implications that come. But listen, at some point i got to rise and say, you know what? Is this how I want to live? If it's not, then i got to get up and change and do something about it. That's exactly where Moses was. And he made some choices in his life. And he acted on those choices and he lived those out. And that's why his name is in the Hall of Fame. Because he did some extraordinary things, really, with number one, just knowing who he was. And number two, accepting responsibility for his own life. Now, number three, get this one. And I'm going to come back next week and unpack number three. It's that important. So I'm not going to give you everything with this one today. But number three, we must establish a value system in our life okay so i'm really going to unpack that one next week but i want you to look at verse number 26 verse 26 says for he considered the reproach because of the messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of egypt since his attention was on the reward There came to a place in Moses' life where he had to make a decision based off his value system. Okay? That's where we find this decision being made. There were some values in his life, some core values that he had in his life that he used to make these decisions off of or to base these decisions off of. We must establish a good value system in our life. I'm going to talk about that next week. But that was one of the things that helped Moses live this extraordinary life. Look in verse 26. Verse number 26. I want you to highlight this word in your text. It says, for he considered. Or another translation says, he regarded. Same word, different English um, word there for us but but the same text is is being applied for he considered in other words this word just simply means that he weighed it in the balance 
It means he considered the options. He evaluated the worth. He considered the value of. So Moses was weighing these things out in his life. So we've got to establish a good value system in our life if we're going to do these extraordinary things. Okay? So let me go through a couple pages there. Number four is this one. I'll come back to that one next week on the value system. Here's number four. We must keep our eyes on the goal. Look, if you will, in verse number 27. It says, By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who sees him invisible. Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. Moses kept his eyes on the Lord. He kept his eyes on the goal. By the way, who is that one who is invisible? What do you think that was there that Moses was keeping his eye on? God, right? He had faith in God. He established, weighed out those values, those core values in his life. And he endured and he persevered the rest of his life as seeing him who is invisible. And God's You're going to get to the point in your life where you're going to want to quit. Moses didn't quit. And he went on to be in the Hall of Fame because he persevered. Because he weighed out his options. He had a good value system. He understood who he was. He took responsibility for his own life and his own actions. He didn't play the blame game. And then he gets to the point where as he's continuing, he's keeping his eyes on scripture says, on him who is invisible. Guys, as we're striving to reach our goals in life, as we're striving to live out this extraordinary life that God wants us to live, that he has planned for us, there's going to be some hard places. Did Moses have some hard places to get through as we study in his life? Did he have some hard places to get through? Yeah, he did. But turned out being one of, the, one of the greatest men in the entire Old Testament, Moses would have to come up in that conversation. How did he do that? He kept his eyes on the goal. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Guys, one of Satan's strategies to get us discouraged or to get us to the point where we quit is to get us distracted. Or to get us busy doing other things that hinders us from keeping our eye on the goal, right? Seeing him who is invisible. So let me ask you, are you distracted today? Or is it time to refocus and look on him who is invisible? And that's the Lord. Guys, we've got to focus on him. And I love in scripture where it talks about oftentimes the... The word of the Lord or the impression on our heart of the Lord is just a still, small voice. God's not going to compete for our time. He's not going to beg you to have time for him. We've got to make time for him. And we've got to keep our eyes on him who is invisible. You know, whenever I preach, I remember early on whenever I started preaching, that's 25 plus years ago, and... And I would get real nervous, and I still kind of get nervous even today. And, 
and I paid attention to the crowd and and I realized there's one thing I've got to do. And this is this has helped me preach and I preach to congregations of five and ten. Actually when we started Victory Church it was three and five of us to thousands. And the only way I can do that is I do something in my mind mentally that no one ever ever sees or really knows of me doing until now. I pull down this curtain and I really don't see anyone. And my wife will ask me after the service, did you see so-and-so? No. Did that not distract? No, I didn't. No. Did you not? No. I don't really look at what's going on in the auditorium. That's why we got to have men and people in place that pay attention to that because I'm not really paying attention to that. I pull this curtain and I look to one person and he's always sitting right here on the very front row of every congregation I ever preach in. He sits right there. That's the Lord. And I keep my eyes on him. And I preach as if I see him who is invisible. And I live my life that way. Because one day I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. So we've got to live our life as seeing him who is invisible. Keeping our eyes on the goal. Now if we keep our eyes on him... All these little goals and things that we're striving to hit, we're going to hit those. Because hopefully and prayerfully they're in alignment with His will. If we're keeping our eye on Him, then those goals we're setting in place are going to be in alignment with the will of God. We're going to hit these small ones, but we got to keep looking ahead. There's so many different illustrations in the sports arena I could give you for that. But that's how we are successful in life. We've got to look ahead and keep our eyes on the goal. Moses did some extraordinary things. Now, there's five words that I want you to unpack. I want, I'm going to give those to you next week. Okay? So bring back that sermon note. I'll give you a new one next week. But I, these five words are huge. I've already alluded to them. You see if you can figure it out. There's five words that I've already unpacked in the text today that I've drawn your attention to, that I've asked you to repeat, and they're on the back of your sermon note, five blanks. These are key words that lead to an extraordinary life. Let me just see if I can give them to you real quick. Jot these down real fast. I'm not going to unpack them. I'm not going to unpack these. I'm going to unpack these next week with the core values. Five words in the life of Moses that led him to living an extraordinary life. It's that he refused, he chose, he considered, he had attention or regard on things, he endured. Write down those five words. I'm going to unpack those next week. But for us to live this extraordinary life that God has planned for us, we've got to deal with these four major questions, these four points that I unpacked for you today, these five words, do an evaluation in our life, and move forward. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Let's, uh, let's close our, our eyes and let's have a word of prayer. Let me ask you a few questions. What part of today's message did the Holy Spirit finger around in your heart and nudge you about? Was it an area in your life that something that you need to pay attention to and do? Maybe it's on, do you just need to be yourself? Do you struggle with just being yourself? Maybe you have low self-esteem. 
You know what? No child of God should ever have low self-esteem. You are uniquely you. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God values you. Do you struggle with that? Do you just need to be yourself? Maybe secondly, do you need to maybe right now just accept responsibility for your own life? And realize, you know, yeah, today. Today's the day. I got to get up. I got to make some changes. I got to do something in my life. I've got a, you know, definition of insanity. You all know this. To keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. If you don't like what's going on today, don't keep doing the same thing. You got to change something. Look to the Lord. Ask Him to put a finger on that thing in your life of whatever it is that maybe you need to change. Maybe you need to pay attention to it. Maybe you need to tweak it. Maybe, maybe you just need to do more of it. I don't know what it is, but God does. So ask yourself the question. Do you need to accept responsibility today for your life? Number three, do you need to set a value system in place? Ask yourself, what are my core values? Whenever I make a decision, what am I basing them from? It's going to be that core value system that you have. We're going to talk more about that next week. But what is your value system? What drives you in all of your decisions? And then number four, do you need to put your eye back on the goal? Maybe you've gotten distracted. Maybe you're really not living life as seeing him who is invisible. Maybe your focus has gotten blurred. I know I love photography and sometimes my lens... I'll have it on manual mode and not auto mode or maybe intentionally do one or the other. And I look through it and it's blurry. And I'm like, what's wrong? And I look and I got to bring it into focus. Life gets like that sometimes, right? It's blurry. We got to bring it into focus. And whenever I do photography, my camera has all these focal points. I love that. And I can move that focal point anywhere on that frame. And I can zero in on one thing. And I can open up that aperture. And I can make that bokeh happen, that blur happen on everything around except that one thing that I'm focused on. And that one thing will be in focus and everything else around it will be blurred out. That's what we need to do in our life. And that thing we put our focal point on needs to be the Lord, His Word. His will for our life. And if we'll do that, the other things you'll just find kind of get blurred out and kind of are just in the backdrop. And we've got our focus on the Lord. That's something we've got to check every day. So do you need to go back and get your eyes, your heart, your mind back on the focal point? Moses did that. He says in Scripture that he endured. Yes, Moses, how'd you do all you did? How'd you do that, Moses? Here's how I did it, he would say. I persevered. I endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's how I did it. That's so simple. 
We make it so complicated. That's so simple. Refocus. Get your eyes back on the Lord. If you do those things, you're going to find yourself living an extraordinary life. Just being an ordinary person. Accomplishing and doing some extraordinary things. But only when we get ourselves in alignment. So I hope this has been encouraging to you today. Father, thank you, Lord, for each one that's here and each one that's heard this message. And, Lord, I don't know what's going on in the heart and the life of everyone that's here, but you do. Moses did some extraordinary things, just an ordinary guy. A beautiful baby placed in a basket in the Nile River, raised in the home of Pharaoh, Born a Jewish boy, raised as an Egyptian, had an identity crisis, made some decisions, made some choices off of his core values, lived this extraordinary life, and he endured because he kept his eyes on him who is invisible. God, there's some ordinary folks here today, myself included. That I know you have gifted in a way that can do extraordinary things and live an amazing life, extraordinary. But God, it will only happen when we get our life in alignment with your word. Help us to take the lessons from Moses and apply those to our life so we can live out. An extraordinary life, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to bring honor and glory to you. Help us keep our eyes on the goal. Help us to see him who is invisible in everything that we do. Bless each one that's here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email Call or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.